Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Those songs really helped me out a lot. Singing really does my soul good. I don't know about you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have our message this morning on Exodus. But before that, I, I just wanted to uh, let you all know uh, how proud I am of our, our, what we call the youth and family ministry. It's just our, kind of for our high school kids and middle school kids. And I'm a dad of a middle schooler and a high schooler. And so we had a potluck devotional last night. And uh, I was really inspired and encouraged. Uh, we have food. It was great. Uh, we got to see a couple, some parents get pie in the face, and uh, even some of the kids too. You know, they thought they were smarter than their parents, but no, no, no. And uh, but it was great. It was fun, but also just a really great time where uh, Chase just shared about uh, how how sometimes we we mess up, and we don't we don't really follow through and live the Christian life. And guess what? Sometimes we have to apologize. I'm sorry. And how hard that is for many of us to say just those words. And, and, and it was good because he shared about it. And then we got together in groups and uh, we sat in a circle and uh, the kids would share about how challenged they were about some of the things in their lives. And the parents would share and we all talked about it together in a circle. And it was powerful, you know, just, you know, just, just for about 30, 40 minutes. And uh, so I just, th- that's the kind of stuff that inspires me. It's behind the scenes for a lot of you, but for a guy like me who's raised his kids here, you know, I'm just grateful to have a place like that where I can come, take my kids, and grow spiritually, you know. And so uh, hopefully those of you that have middle schoolers and high schoolers, if you weren't able to make the last one, you know, really try to circle it on your calendar and, and make it to the, to the next one. So we're going to jump into our, our, uh, our series here on Exodus, and um, hopefully this has been helpful to you. Uh, it's great to study a book of the Bible, in my opinion. You know, you hunker down in one place in Scripture, and God can teach you some things when you, when you focus in a certain place for a while. And it's been encouraging to me to hear some of you, you know, come up to me and just share, hey, I've learned this, or I picked up this on this time around. And today we're going to continue uh, our study on uh, the plagues. And so that'll be our, our, our message today, part two. Last week, Tom shared part one, and uh, today we're going to hit part two. And you know, there's a lot going on with these plagues. There's 10 of them. Uh, we don't have time to go through each and every plague. Uh, and so today we're going to focus on a couple of them because I think they encompass a lot of what hopefully we can learn about why did God even send these plagues in the first place? And what does that matter to you and me today? I think these are the questions that hopefully we can discuss, talk about this morning. So let's go ahead and pray that God can use uh, this time in his word. Uh, so let's pray. Father, we do pray that we can humble ourselves before your word this morning. Father, we pray that we can give our hearts to understanding, to learning, to growing, to spiritual transformation. Father, I pray that as we look at what transpired in real life, in a specific time and place, Father, that that we can engage into the interaction between you, Father, and and Pharaoh, and Egypt. And, and, and Father, help us to to glean what we can to help us grow spiritually today. Father, we trust you and we want to believe in you even though this world is so set up against you. Uh, Father, it it sometimes feels like we, we literally are swimming upstream just trying to show our faith in you. Uh, But, Father, we know that you will come through, and we put our faith and our trust in you and not in the gods of our own making. 
And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So again, why the plagues? I mean, what in the world is God doing? Uh, why did he choose to do all this? And I think it's helpful to remember a couple things. Uh, first of all, let's remember this, this moment in Scripture in, in Exodus 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And I'm not going to let Israel go. In order to understand the plagues, you need to remember this moment. This, this, is, this is the king. This is Pharaoh. This is, quite honestly, to the Egyptians, this is their God on earth, so to speak. And he's like, I don't know what God you're talking about. So I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Because this God is very unfamiliar to me. And let alone for me to obey him. Are you crazy? Do you know who I am? That's the spirit, right? And so in order to understand the plagues, you need to remember this moment, okay? Because Pharaoh's going to learn who God is real soon. He's going to understand him a lot deeper. And also, but what about from God's perspective? God drops hints along the way about what he's doing, what he's, what he's trying to do. And let's look at some of these moments in Scripture. Exodus 6.6, 6, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with my mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And in Exodus 12, 12, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. If you're going to understand the plagues, you need to understand that as well. God is the one who meets out judgment. This is his world. His. Not anyone else's. He decides what is just and what is unjust. And it is in his prerogative to execute judgments in ever, however way he sees fit when he wants to do it. So that's how we need to understand the plagues in a little bit as well. This isn't just something for your little fairy tale. Oh, little, let's read a little story to our kids at night. Isn't this funny? The frogs are jumping everywhere and the, the flies are everywhere. There's something else. There's deeper stuff going on here. Okay? And we need to, rem we need to remember this about Scripture. This stuff's not a myth, okay? God is for real. He means business. Okay? So let's look at we're only going to look at a couple of plagues today because we don't have all that time in the world, right? So let's start in Exodus chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can jump on there and open up your phone or whatever you use. Exodus 9. So we've already had, you know, plagues. We've had river turn to blood. We've had frogs. We've had flies. We've had gnats. Those were kind of annoying, right? But then the livestock, that was hardcore because then stuff started dying. Okay, and so, and, and the livestock, if you know anything about the Egyptian gods, so many of their gods were connected to livestock. You know, they have the head of a lion or, and things like that. So, so, or, you know, cattle or whatever. There's animals, insects, all of that. That's the, the pantheon of the Egyptian gods. So every plague kind of gets at one of their gods in a specific way. <laughs> and so by the time we reach here, uh, we've already seen five plagues. 
And then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. Or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that it would have wiped you off the earth. Now see, in my younger days, I used to play basketball. Okay? And in my younger days, there, you know, you'd play ball. And some dudes, what we would call talk trash. Okay? In other words, they'd be like, man, I'm about to take you to the hole, man. You can't stop me. You know, they say stuff like that, and then you got to deal with it, right? And there were NBA players, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. They literally say, I'm about to get the ball. I'm going to fake right. I'm going to shoot right over you, and I'm going to score. And they would say stuff like this in the middle of a game, right? And then they'd do it, and you'd be like, man, some guys talk trash, but they couldn't back it up, right? And you didn't want to laugh at them. But when I read this, I thought, man, God is talking trash. <laughs> man, God is like, dude, he said, there's no one like me. I need you to understand that. There's no one like me. And so this is really one of the purpose statements of the plagues, okay? It's so that people would know that, there is, that God has unique omnipotence. He's uniquely omnipotent. There is no one like him. He is numero uno in the world, plain and simple. And uh, he was trying to get that across. So remember that this is point, This is like a, one of the purpose statements of the plagues, so that people understand his unique omnipotence. But let's keep reading. He says some more stuff, blow your mind. He says to Pharaoh, but, but I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Hold up. Wow. Imagine Pharaoh hearing this. God saying, hey, Pharaoh, Egypt, I've raised you up for this moment. What do you think Pharaoh's think? Oh, no, no. I don't know who you think you are. Do you know who I am, Yahweh? I am Ra. I am, I am Pharaoh. My ingenuity raised me up. My military prowess has raised Egypt up. Our technological and medicinal adv advances, that has raised Egypt up. That's why we are a world power. You have had nothing to do with it. God says, I've raised you up. I'm running things. And you know why I've raised you up? Because it's about time for you to understand who I am. Because you need to understand my power. Because it's going to be proclaimed all over the earth. Pharaoh, I ain't worried just about you. This ain't just about little old Egypt. I have universal intentions. That's who I am. You see, it's, it's, first it's kind of that, that unique omnipotence. There's no one like me. But now it's, I've got universal intentions. The whole world needs to know about my power. And my name, and it's not just my name, we've talked about that. It's God's heart, his nature, his characteristics, his attributes. That's his name. That needs to be proclaimed over the whole earth, not just right now in Egypt, Pharaoh. You don't get it. And he says, you still set yourself up against my people and will not let them go. You know, I appreciate this because he says my name, 
It's going to be proclaimed over all the earth. Let's just take a quick look. Joshua chapter 9. This is later. This is later. The Gibeonites come, and they say, you know what? Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God, for we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt. What about 1 Samuel? <laughs> this is centuries later. I mean, later. The Philistines were afraid. Oh, God is coming to the camp. Oh, no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kind of plagues in the wilderness. Oh, yes, indeed. God's name was proclaimed throughout the earth for a long time after that moment in Egypt, right? So we see God's word come to fruition there. Biblical references. But then he talks about, you know what? Look at verse 18. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded till now. First of all, you know what? what is this time tomorrow, what does that mean? What does that show you? God's like, man, I can do this whenever I want, bro. I can do it right now. I can do it tonight. Let me just break it down. What's the sundial say? <laughs> Check it tomorrow. At this time, that's when I'm going to do what I want to do. I mean, who has that kind of power? Who can just call up the biggest storm ever and tell you when it's going to happen before it happens? God's just, he just, he just, he just he like subtly saying, you know, I'm going to do this tomorrow because that's how I do things. I'm running things. I'm in control. You need to understand that. And then look what he says in verse 19. What's he say? Give an order now. To bring all your livestock stuck in from the field. Bring, give an order out. What is that? That's grace. That's the way I see Hey, man, I could knock you out right now, bro. But you know what? Hey, here's the deal. I know you got some authority. Why don't you go tell people to bring stuff in so that they don't have suffer loss? There's no vindictiveness here. That's how God operates. This is his name. These are the attributes of God. I will give you time to rip, I'll give you time to make a choice. Either you can listen to my word and believe I'm telling the truth, or you can take your chances. How many of you are doing that right now? Right now. I know what your word says, God, but you know, I'm going to hedge my bets. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and livestock in. Hey, let me tell you what. Hey, some of Pharaoh's cabinet were like, you know, <laughs> hey, I, I believe this dude. I done seen the blood and the frogs. I'm good. I don't need any more proof. Some of them, the Bible says, hurried home. They feared God. They had respect, reverence. Okay, I'm, I've been won over. <laughs> I understand your power. But those who ignored, because that's what it is, ignoring. Okay, like, like again, some of you are doing right now, <laughs> right now. It's clearly stated, don't give yourself outs and all that stuff. It's ignoring. I know what God's word says, how I'm supposed to treat my spouse, how I'm supposed to live my life. I know what it says. I'm just not, I'm, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to take my chances. That's basically what you're doing. Well, did God come through? God came through. Serious hailstorm, right? So then what happens? 
Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said. Whoa, wow. Did he say that I have sinned? Wow. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Wow. Pharaoh is having a breakthrough, right? Pray to the Lord. Wow, he's talking about prayer. For we have had enough thunder and hail. I bet you have. I'll let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. This must be great, right? Moses replied, well, when I've gone out of the city, I'll spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop. There will be no more hail. And this is the third statement of purpose for the plagues. So that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. He has a universal authority over all things. Unique omnipotence, right? And he's got unlimited authority. But I know that you and your officials still don't fear the Lord God. Wow, wait a minute. Moses, didn't you hear what the man said? What is Mo- Moses, what are you, you so legalistic. What is, what's wrong with Moses? Shouldn't he accept Pharaoh's humble response? What is Moses seeing that we don't see, right? I can tell you what he sees. Moses ain't stupid. He's been down this road with Pharaoh before. First of all, let's check out a couple of things Pharaoh says. What does he say? This time. Hold up, bro. How about the hundreds of years of oppression? Slavery, right? Bricks without straw. What about, all, what about just harsh treatment of people? What about all that? Why is it only now this time I've sinned? Just in this interaction, I've blown it. You know how some people, they they don't really take full responsibility, right? I think Moses picked up this time. Hold up, bro. You know, then he says, you know, I have sinned. The Lord's in the right. You know, you pray to the Lord. Well, hold up. No, why don't you pray to the Lord, Pharaoh? Why are you going to get someone else to do it for you? If you really feel like you're in the wrong, you'll take it straight to God. I messed up. I'm sorry, God. You're right. I bow down to you. I've sinned against you. Not this general, I have sinned just this one time. And why don't you go handle it between me and God? I think Moses picked up on this. He said, man, you don't get it. You don't get it. What you do get is, uh, we've had enough thunder and hail. You get that. Isn't that how we are? Man, these consequences are hardcore. I'm tired of the consequences of my bad choice. And they are hurting me. So please get rid of them. Yeah, I'm sorry. I messed up. Yep, you're right. Okay, just say a prayer because this is killing me. That's how we can be. It's the, it's the consequences that bother us more than the broken relationship with, with us and God. And I think Moses saw it. He said, bro, I don't think you get it. Again, that's how some of us can be. Just get through the consequences, man. But our hearts aren't really wanting to connect with God in humility. And Moses said, you don't get it. You still need to understand who God is because you still don't get it. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard. He wouldn't let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. You see, Pharaoh's response is defiance, not reliance. And that's really our choice today. 
Either you're going to defy God or rely on God. It's one of the two. Stop acting like there's an in-between. There is no in-between. Pharaoh chose defiance and not reliance. Which one will you choose? I appreciate this quote I read in one of the commentaries. Our response to God is always a matter of the heart. A heart that is not set on his word will become dead set against his will. You better pay attention to God's word because he's going he's to follow through with what he said he's going to do, right? But God wasn't done yet because Pharaoh still, he was still trying to give Pharaoh an opportunity. So there was another, there's, there's a little bit more God had to, had to take care of with Pharaoh, right? In Exodus 10, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand and toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Can you imagine that? And this is different than the other plagues because this one, there's no advance warning. All the other ones, God says, Moses, go to Pharaoh, confront him in the morning or whatever. Go tell him, hey, to let my people go, et cetera, et cetera, right? This, no advance notice. None. Normal day just like any other. I guess the sun set. The next morning, no sun. Now we go, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but we kind of don't totally get it. And I appreciate this, uh, this guy. He, he, this quote is true. We need to understand the place of the sun in Egyptian civilization before we can begin to know anything about ancient Egypt. The Egyptians served Horus, the god of the sunrise. Aten, <laughs> the god of the round midday sun. Aten, the god of the sunset. But the supreme deity was Amon Ra, their solar creator god. The sun. That's everything the Egyptians. You can't even understand, you can't even understand Egypt until you understand how much they relied on the sun, worshiped the sun. That's where the, they got their power from. The sun, worship, God, create the sun is the creator god, the, the highest of the high. So the question remains: if you worship the sun, and the sun is blotted out. Hey, what does that leave you? What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? When everything you believe in, the way you set up your world, if it's just rocked, what are you supposed to do with that? Because some of us, right, we, we don't realize it. We think, I don't worship the sun. That's stupid. Yeah, but you worship yourself. Right? If somebody doesn't treat you the way you want to be treated, all of a sudden, your, your world is rocked. You can't function. You start having all these, you know, options. You start doing all kinds of stuff because how dare somebody mess up my perfect life that I've tried to create for myself? Because I'm here to be happy. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. Or it's money, which kind of comes back to self because the more money you have, the happier yourself is, so you think. But what happens when all this stuff that we totally set our lives up around our children. My children have to go to the best schools, have the best stuff, be the best teams, go to the best school. Whatever it is, have the best behavior. Whenever my friends come over, I want them to see how great my kids behave. Whatever your God is, what happens when it lets you down? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
Because it should happen to every single one of us. Because we're just not naturally inclined to worship God. He's got to win us over. He's got to draw us to him. Sometimes he's got to send us a little something to get our attention. But whatever it is, he's trying to help you understand, you can't create a world that's higher than me. I got to be number one. Or else you're going to end up empty. Or literally in darkness. Total darkness. And you want to worship the sun? Is that everything? I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going, it's gone. Three days. You, everything you depend on for life is gone. You know what you're supposed to do? <laughs> you're supposed to get humble and cry out to God and tell him, God, I need you. You need to be number one, not number six, not number two. You need to be number one. Not on my terms, but on your terms. That's what we need to do. That's what we're supposed to do. When God exposes the powerlessness of our idols, whatever they may be, fill in the blank. When he exposes them for what they are, powerless to save you, then what are you supposed to do? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And whatever God says, do it. Obey it, and you will find that he is trustworthy because he is the I am, and he will come through, which is what we've been learning. So how did Pharaoh do? So-called God of the the son of the sun. That's who he was, really. the, The son, right, he was the son of the sun God. That was Pharaoh. Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Okay, go. Get out of here. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. What? Pharaoh, bro, just give it up. Still trying to negotiate as if he has any power. He just can't, he can't humble himself to just say, whatever God you want, you do. He's still trying to, nah, you know, leave, your, leave the flocks and stuff back here. Because I know ultimately you'll come back if all your stuff's here. Moses said, man, look, <laughs> I'm not even going to read that. Basically he said, we're leaving with everything we got, so you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you don't appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. And Moses said, you know what, just as you say, I'll never appear before you again. That is a tense moment. This is a man, Pharaoh, who has, he, the die is cast. He's already shown his true colors. He's not humbling out to God. He's not going to do it. And Moses is not going to back out of his commission either to keep doing what God has told him to do. And so we, what we have here is a failure to communicate, right? This is it. This is the, the end of the negotiations, a complete breakdown, right? But here's the deal. We all have the same choice, you know. And I, God doesn't harden our hearts, honestly, on, our, on, our, on his own. We, we are the ones that we choose our course. And after a while, he just let, he just, I think he just lets us, 
You want to be hard? Go for it, bro. You just go for it. So what can we learn from this? I mean, I think just, we're going to take communion in a moment, but, you know, God is uniquely omnipotent. No one's like him. That, that should penetrate your hearts. And he has universal intentions, and he intends for his name, his nature to be known and proclaimed around the world for all time, even now, guys, right? And he has unlimited authority. The whole earth, the universe is his. The last thing is is God exposes all other so-called gods as unable to save. And he offers all people the same invitation to leave their idolatry and worship and serve him. Because in the Hebrew language, the word worship and serve are really the same word. And we're gonna, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to worship somebody. You are. Make it God. <laughs> okay? That's, that's what the plagues should have taught Pharaoh. But he didn't get it. But luckily, you guys are all smarter than him. Right? So we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as, you, as we do that, let's reflect on a couple passages that I think have New Testament kind of tie-ins to what we've read, the principles that we've read. Because God doesn't want to just send plagues, okay? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, you don't want any personal plagues sent your way, right? I don't either. But God did send something else, right? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then let's, finally, let's read the, the most famous scripture, right, that, that we read a lot, but sometimes people just stop and don't keep reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness Instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, won't come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's be grateful God doesn't just send plagues. He sent his son to show us the way to the light out of the darkness of our own idolatry. And let's pray to God and be grateful as we take this Lord's Supper together. Father, I'm just humbled. These passages, and I see your heart, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that, that you sent Jesus to us to show us how to make it to you. And I'm grateful that Jesus didn't worship himself, that he died to himself. He emptied himself and really gave his life away so that we could be saved and we could follow in his example. We celebrate his life right now, Lord. We celebrate it by taking this bread representing his body and and drinking the fruit of the vine, representing the blood that he shed for us. Father, that saved us from ourselves and from those things we worship that really couldn't save us. Thank you for your grace that you give us advance notice and you give us time to humble ourselves, 
to respond to Jesus' death and resurrection. And we celebrate that right now. And we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.